revolutionize your recruitment strategy with AIMHR Solutions. Headquartered in the heart of Massachusetts, our dynamic team offers cutting-edge recruiting services tailored to meet the needs of HR professionals anywhere. Say goodbye to the endless cycle of candidate searches. Let our seasoned experts streamline the process for you. With a deep understanding of industry trends and a vast network, we're here to connect you with top-tier talent. Explore the possibilities of our recruitment services at aimhrsolutions.com. Welcome to Human Solutions, simplifying HR for people who love HR from AIMHR Solutions on True Story FM. I'm Pete Wright. Today, we're jumping into the world of workers' compensation. What's the role of workers' comp to HR professionals? What do we need to know about initial steps post-injury, the nuances of communicating with employees on workers' comp, including those with legal representation, and the pivotal laws that shape these processes? What are the challenges and considerations of reintegrating employees post-injury? This week, I'm sitting down with an ace in the world of workers' comp, Dan Ilnicki of AIM Mutual, and our very own HR expert, Lori Burgoyne. And they're going to help us see the importance of proactive management and the value of clear communication and compliance. Dan and Lori, welcome to Human Solutions. Great to have you here. Thank you, Pete, for having us. Dan, good to yeah. see you. Yep. Thank you, Pete. Lori, nice to see you as well. It is delightful, though our topic may be, uh, dare I say, injurious. Uh, uh, let's let's talk first. Give us an introduction or a table setting on the topic of workers' comp. From the perspective of our HR pros who are listening to this show, what do we need to know to get started with this conversation? One thing that you mentioned, Pete, is having that injured worker walk through the door. That's one thing us HR professionals would like to avoid, is not having the injured worker walk <laughs> right, through right, the door. Right, that, that, that could be a metaphor. <laughs> well, you know, I guess what I'm referring to <laughs> is trying to get to put practices and policies in place uh, and training in place to avoid mm-hmm. the injury and being yeah. proactive. Um. But one that does happen, having a great partnership with your workers' comp carrier like AIM Mutual um, is invaluable to making sure that the individual is treated well um, and gets back to work as soon as possible. Well, and I I think that's a really great point. And I want to underscore that because you're absolutely right. We want to avoid injuries. And yet we're here talking with a mutual because injuries happen on the job and we want to be prepared. So, uh, Dan, tell us a little bit about uh, about workers comp and what we need to know and, and why it's so important for HR pros to know the process inside and out. Right. You know, Lori's already teed this up so well. Mm-hmm. It's it's his opportunity really for for the employer to establish a relationship with their workers' compensation carrier before anything even happens. I know one of the things that we do at A-Mutual is we will actually onboard any new policyholder so they know who they need to contact, when they need to contact, you know, ways and methods of contacting. So it's not just reporting an incident, but it's establishing that relationship and that partnership with the carrier and the employer so that when something happens, if something happens, that everyone is ready to go and understands what the process is going to be. 
and and also tracking any workers' comp case along the lines. So I dealt with many, many clients who have unfortunately had employees that got hurt and they haven't heard or connected with their workers' comp carrier. They don't know what's going on with the employee, uh, if and when he or she is going to report return back to work, how they're doing. And that's really something that we can do better with to have better outcomes. So if we can build that relationship with our workers' comp carrier, whoever's managing the case, and stay close to how is this individual doing, as well as us directly as HR people calling employees, how is it going? Is there anything that we can do? Are you missing any information? Um, are you hearing from your doctor just can help the case um, for a better, I keep saying a better outcome, but getting the person back to work as soon as they possibly can. And Laura, you bring up some great points, right? I mean, when we hear uh, an injured worker have some conversation with one of our claims adjuster people, uh, one of the first things that comes out of their mouth is that we haven't heard from anybody. Mm. You know, we will often say as a workers' comp carrier, somebody within an employer's operation, they go out on maternity leave or they, uh, you know, are, are away for, for some other purpose or reason. They'll get cards, they'll get flowers, they'll get contact, people will reach out to them. But when an employee becomes injured, it's it's like crickets. They aren't hearing anything. And one of the places that you start to lose that connection with that employee is at that point. So be in touch with them. It's not just the workers' comp carrier that needs to do that communication. It's the employer as well. They're your employees still. And the better relationship you can have, the more communication that can occur will, to your point, Lori, result in a better outcome in the end because they feel like they're welcome. They feel like they wanted back to the employer. Uh, so all of that relationship matters, as well as the relationship with the workers' comp carrier. So the employee, the employer, typically at the employer, it's a human resource person, but sometimes it's a supervisor or manager. And then your contact at the workers' comp carrier. All of those people having conversation and working together, it will result again in a better outcome. I got to jump in because when I hear this, I hear this absolute, we're all on a team. That's all great. I love that we're on a team and we got to treat people like we're on a team. But when we're in workers' comp, isn't there a, a case where your employee who's out on workers' comp is going to have legal representation? And that seems like a, it adds a layer of complexity that we need to cover. What is the, what's the norm? What is the expectation when suddenly you have a, almost an adversarial relationship with the with the team. I think it's a really good point you're bringing up, Pete. The majority of employers are have the best interests of their employees at heart. And I think sometimes when it comes to workers' comp, employers are unsure of what is my role here. When you think about it, this is your employee. Even if your employee has legal representation, it's still your employee to check on, uh, talk about how, how, what position you may have that could fit for their um, injury, potential injury in the, in the uh, approval of their physician, and that you care about them and you want them to come back. You don't have to talk about the court case or the legal case. That is secondary to your connection with your employee. Take that a little bit further. It's not only the connection with the employee piece, but it's, it's letting them know that they have a place to come back to when they're better. Uh, better can be 
enough for them to come back with some modified duty, some restrictions that say, hey, we know you're not at 100% yet, but we want you back here. We're willing to find something for you to do. And it's a value to the employer as well. It's not meant to be demeaning to an employee to bring them back. It, it's bringing them back with a, contribu- a, a contribution to what they want to be um, doing as, as an organization. So when you look at the whole picture, having a plan ahead of time, being prepared for what do we do if somebody goes out and is injured? You're, you're not focusing on an individual or a person. You're focusing on what their role and their function and their contributions are going to be. So figure that out, have that plan ready and work with the understanding within the employee group that, look, if if somebody is hurt or injured at work, our expectation is we're going to try to get you back as soon as possible because we want you back. You're, you're a value to us. So letting them know and emphasize that is is going to go a long way. And then making sure that the workers' comp carrier understands that, hey, we have alternative duties for for the employees if if we do have an incident that occurs. So all that communication, again, is going to be a value. Let me piggyback on what Dan had to say in terms of preparation. I think that's very important. And from an HR perspective, a business perspective, having a workers' comp policy, having a leave of absence policy, having the required posters. In Massachusetts, you're required to have a poster that states who your workers' comp carrier is. You know, having safety committee meetings, just overall communication on how do we prevent injuries and what happens when an employee is injured. It's important for the direct line supervisors to know if I have somebody who is hurt on the job, what do I do? What is my responsibility? And having employees understand what they are responsible for in terms of paying premiums for their health insurance while they're out or anything like that. There are also laws that we have to consider when it comes to an employee who's out on workers' comp. If you have 50 or more employees, you have the Family Medical Leave Act. And that will, um, if you have a policy in place, run concurrent with any workers' comp case. You also have the Americans with Disabilities Act that if uh, that an employee could fall under this classification and when we return them to work or attempt to return them to work, can we provide a reasonable accommodation? Um, So there are a lot of arms and legs to it and being proactive uh, prior to anything happening is really the wisest move for all employers, small or large. Well, I think you're getting to to the point that I wanted to get to, which is addressing these, like the circumstances when employees are not able to return to work in the same function that they were before. And mm-hmm. you dropped FMLA and Americans with Disabilities. The, uh, you know, are there other circumstances that you're like when you're when you build this communication plan for your employees and say, look, we want you to know that we're supporting you through the entire arc Mm, of any potential injury and that may include educating them specifically on fmla or or americans with disabilities act 
And now, and those are policies that you had in place. And it's a really good point, Pete. Let's make sure employees know what uh, leave of absence policies are applicable to them, how we handle the Americans with Disabilities Act, and the other aspect of HR job descriptions. And Dan, I'm sure uh, you could speak to this as well. A job description will provide the employee as well as their physician with what are the essential duties of this job? What is required? What is required from a physical, a mental, a cognitive ability so that a physician will know, well, you know, this employee cannot return to work to that job. But if you have a job description for another position, yes, they can absolutely return. They can come to into that position for a short period of time um, before they return to potentially their, their other position, their regular position. I wouldn't be doing the safety profession justice if I don't make a remark on a comment you just made. And sure. that is, if an employee is in a position that they're subject to injury. So one of the things that we work really hard for, and this is that proactive piece, is that nobody should go to work with an anticipation that they might get hurt there, right? It Things do happen. We recognize that. But to be proactive and to do job safety analysis and to identify those things that you can do to be proactive to reduce and eliminate potential for exposures and injuries is is an utmost importance of any safety professional. And I know many employers, um, even if they don't have that function within their organization. So if you don't mind, I have to make that comment, but also. No, right? absolutely. <laughs> and and I'll tell you, you know, I, I worked for a time in, in a, a Cummins diesel engine factory, believe it or not. And uh, I, I'll tell you the, uh, the word from those of us on the floor working under these engines was, I'm so glad, I'm so relieved we have such a rigorous training operation. And the reality is, there would not be a rigorous training operation if we were not aware that injuries could happen. And so that that serves two motivations. One, it makes us glad we have an employer that cares. And two, it makes us always aware, ever vigilant that things happen. And I think it's a good thing to be aware of that, to be aware that it makes you more careful, doesn't it? Absolutely. And, you know, Lori and I talk about these types of uh, scenarios, I guess, on a regular basis. So to your point, we we talk about how to make a job position safe for any employee that's in it. But what happens after an incident does occur, right? All of your due diligence, every effort that you've put mm -hmm. in to try to that to make that as safe as possible, yet we still have an incident. We still have an injury that occurs. Um, we have near misses where an injury doesn't occur, but something happens and Maybe there's property damage or maybe something didn't function properly. Uh, one of the things that I look at as an imperative step is to do an accident and incident investigation. Let's find out what went wrong, what happened so that we can make our corrective actions so it doesn't happen again. And obviously, part of the goal is so that nobody becomes hurt and injured where we even have to have this process that we're talking about today. Sure. So sure. who's doing that investigation, Dan? Yeah, so the investigation really kind of starts everyone that can be involved should be involved. Uh, if the employee who uh, was, let's say they weren't even hurt, but they were involved in, in an incident that occurred, they should be involved with that. Supervisors, managers, uh, production managers, uh, HR people, 
anyone that you can get into that process. I, I look at this as the more people that can see it and hear it and understand it, when something isn't happening correctly, you have now more people that can identify that. So get as many people involved in that process. Get first shift, second shift, third shift, because maybe things look different or happen differently on different shifts. Look sure. at different workstations. Is everybody doing it the same way? Or why is that one over there doing it a little differently? Let's pay attention to that, figure things out. So that two steps, right? We're doing that formal upfront, hey, we're going to look at this and make sure that it's as safe as possible. And then if something does happen along the way, then we're doing our incident investigation following that. It, it does remind me to just throw out the benefit and the critical importance of doing due diligence on those job descriptions too. the implicit versus explicit job description. There should be no implicit duties that are hidden in that job description if you're doing something that is in any way related to something where incidents could happen like this. Uh, Laura, you were going to say something. So in terms of the incident investigation, I think you both make a really good point. Um, what I have uh, realized in the many investigations that I've done is to make sure that you include witnesses to any incident that happens, an incident or a near miss, and get their statements of what they saw. Um, also, any camera video that was in that vicinity, make sure you secure that so you can see exactly what happened in that situation. Take photos of the area. It, you know, at the very moment that you uh, find this where this injury or this accident did happen, um, take photos of the area because you never know where this case is going to go. Um, also, think about did this area did have any past injuries? Are there trends in this area? Um, is there proper lighting? So there's a lot that you can do in terms of investigations. The other thing is, is think about drug testing. Do you have a drug testing policy do you, or drug alcohol testing? Do you have post-accident drug alcohol testing or near-miss testing? And making sure supervisors, employees are aware of it and follow through on any of that testing. And if you think to yourself, no, we don't have that, maybe that's one thing you take out of this podcast is maybe we're going to bring some drug testing in um, in the event there is an unfortunate injury or incident that happens. I think that's a fascinating process, sort of the the end of the approach. I wonder if we could take a step backward to the beginning of, of the workers' comp process, because one of the things we teased at the very beginning was how important it is for HR professionals to understand the process uh, from, you know, soup to nuts, A to Z. I think it would be easiest for us to have a general conversation about an incident occurring, right? Let's not okay. specify the nature of it, because... You know, we can we That's can gross. go down that rabbit right. hole and get into the weeds with that. But the reality sure. is, is that an incident occurs. Let's just say that. Right. So that individual, is it a first aid only type of a case? To your point, put the Band-Aid on, go through, do your in incident investigation, but they remain at work. So that's a very cut and dry type of an incident. Now, the workers' comp cases will start to come into play when that person seeks medical attention outside of the facility, and then may possibly have some lost wages. Okay. In, in Massachusetts, there's a period of time that somebody 
has become injured and is out of work, there's a period of time that will lapse before workers' comp will truly kind of kick in. Uh, and in Massachusetts, that's five days. So after that five days, workers' comp really gets involved. Now, with me saying that, that's referring to like a payment type process for what's happening. Every incident should be reported. I, I encourage the near misses, so not just medical or lost time. Report every incident to your carrier. It's not going to hurt you if it's just uh, a non-dollar valued type of a claim. And we're just saying, hey, this happened. We want you to know of it. Uh, we encourage that because things can happen. Uh, you know, a couple of weeks later, you know, it's, someone gets an infection and we first thing we do, well, how can we didn't hear about this before? Well, if we know about it, we can say, OK, we, we knew of the incident. It appears to be legitimate. Let's make sure that they get the medical care the attention that they need. So as the person goes and stays within a certain short period of time, you know, maybe we anticipate that they're going to be back to work in a relatively quick period. That's handled one way. But now when we start going into a longer period of time, person has doctor visits, ongoing medical attention. Uh, now they've got the lost wages. That's what we refer to as a lost time case. And that becomes more mm-hmm. complicated and usually longer in, in duration. Um, but they all should be handled initially really the same way. And that's report it, make sure that the person has their proper medical attention, and then start that partnership, start that communication with the workers' comp carrier, keep the employee engaged, everything that we talked about earlier, all that really starts to come into play at that point. What is the relationship between uh, workers' comp and mental health uh, conditions, uh, trauma, those sorts of things? You know, there's a lot of legislative uh, regulatory conditions. I know in Connecticut, we just heard that, um, let's say somebody experiences a, a traumatic event. Well, in Connecticut in the past, it had just been like first responders and, and coverage for first responders for that. But uh, the legislation has passed where now it's anybody. You know, if if you witness a traumatic event and you're having some difficulty in dealing with that, uh, we we as a carrier are involved with how do we make sure that that person gets taken care of as well, not just the injured person or the person who unfortunately maybe have been deceased. Uh, so there is some uh, legislative action in, in each state. And I know a lot of times we're just focusing on Massachusetts, but there may be other people outside of Massachusetts listening to this podcast. Be aware of what your state allows for that type of a situation. Sure. Check your local jurisdiction. Laura, you yep. don't handle a lot of these cases. You ever run into any that include some of these sorts of complexities? Yes, unfortunately, I worked for a retail organization and there have been robberies and such that have caused mental health and they truly are um, an injury just like any other and should be treated in the same way. And, you know, working with your workers' comp carrier is, um, you know, essential. And to, to really care and make way of finding a way to get that person back to work, which has always been the best, seemed to, in my experience, to be the best for that person, whether it be in, in one location or another, 
to help them through, you know, any of the trauma that they have are dealing with. It's refreshing to hear you both reflect on it this way, knowing there's still road ahead, but that the relationship between the worker and the employer going through the the workers' comp process, it's a whole body experience, right? The whole employer sure. uh, is valued. Yep. And, you know, those of us been around long enough have seen the 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 even the lowercase t trauma cases just put that away you're fine get back at the desk mm. and um, it it's nice to hear some turn on that you know as i look at it one of the perceptions i guess i'll call it is that injured workers employers workers comp carrier that it's an adversarial situation right and it doesn't need to be that that's, that's certainly a stereotype i think it, that it, is stereotype, abs- yeah. absolutely it is pete and and we need to break that down because the goal really is to make that injured worker whole again right and and sometimes that injured worker as they are dealing with everything yep they'll turn on the tv or they'll you know get word of uh, representation attorneys all like that it, they're out there i'm i'm not trying to downplay that part. But the reality is, is that if they keep an open mind, the employer, the workers' comp carrier, they really are trying to look out for that injured worker and trying to get them whole again. That's that's the goal in the process. Um, I'm going to stay away from, you know, the, all the other stereotypes that are out there sure. because we could we could really get, you know, way into the weeds on that. But the reality is, is that if the process is set up and it's, I'm going to use the word transparent, right? This is how it happens. This is what we do. If something occurs, it, the more transparency, the more knowledge about that, the better that system's actually going to work for, for everybody. Um, and that's really the goal. I like hearing you say that. And uh, I, I think it's an a, 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 actually a perfect way to get toward wrapping up our conversation today. And that is the, you know, operating proactively with the presumption of goodwill on all parties. Everyone is trying to do the best to, as you say, make the employee whole again. Promise of goodwill. Any place you want to share that people should go learn more about the good work that you both are doing uh, with AIM and AIM Mutual. Go talk with your workers' comp carrier. I know at AIM Mutual, we've got a website. We have, you know, contact people, you know, just reach out. That's the first place. That's the best thing to do. Uh, if, if you're not comfortable, if you're not familiar with who your carrier is, make it that way. Make, make yourself comfortable and familiar with them because you don't want to be looking for it. So where's that number? You know, when something happens, who do I call? Right. Where do I go? Just be prepared because that, that again, helps streamline that communication, that partnership right at the very beginning is really what's critical, whether it's with a mutual or or another carrier. We learned it from scouts. We learned it here again today. Be prepared. Lori, HR pros, last word. Well, those that are members of AIM can, of course, call the AIM helpline, but there are a laundry list of resources available through many governmental agencies. I will provide the link in the meeting notes so that um, those who are listening can uh, provide certain. There's workplace violence training that is available. There is safety training. There is a there are a ton of uh, resources on the FMLA, the ADA, um, and you know policies to make sure employees are aware of everything that you do to help. Um, you know, putting together a drug and alcohol drug testing program. 
So there are a ton of resources out there. You know, again, we are here to help our employees get back to work from an HR capacity and companies want to do the same. At any point, reach out to amutual.com for the website or you've got aimnet.org. And, you know, both of those locations as represented here today will have a wealth of information uh, available. And that information is free. Meet your rep. Find the links. Swipe up in your show notes. You'll find all the links that we've talked about in this show. Uh, and we sure appreciate you uh, sitting down and educating us, educating me. Uh, Lori, Dan, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Pete. Thank Thanks, you, Pete. Dan. Thanks, Lori. Thank you all for downloading and listening to this show. We certainly appreciate your time and attention. Again, swipe up for those show notes. And uh, you listen to the show right there on the website at aimhrsolutions.com. You can find us anywhere great podcasts are served. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts, we're there. On behalf of Dan and Lori, I'm Pete Wright. And we'll see you next week right here on Human Solutions, simplifying HR for people who love HR.